Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome to It Could Happen Here. It's a podcast about the world falling apart and people who are putting it back together. Today we're joined by Jimmy and Rain from Mutual Aid Disaster Relief. They are helping to put back together some of the parts of the world that are acutely falling apart right now. Uh, my colleague Gare is here as well. Hi, Gare. Hello. Hi. Hey. And yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into it. We're going to talk about the response that Mutual Aid Disaster Relief have made to Hurricane Ian. We're going to talk about how we can solve these things without necessarily giving a bunch of money to the wrong people and people can help people in a way that is uh, natural, organic and, and good for everyone. So Jimmy and Rain, say hi. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hey. And can you explain to us a little bit, first of all, about uh, what Mutual Aid Disaster Relief is and how it operates in these natural disasters? Sure. Uh, Mutual Aid Disaster Relief is a people-powered disaster relief network based on the principles of solidarity, mutual aid, and autonomous direct action. And we act as a Swiss army knife for the larger autonomous disaster response and mutual aid movements uh, and work with uh, affinity groups, local mutual aid groups, uh, and other disaster survivors uh, to help form and foster a communal recovery. 
That sounds great. That's very uh, inspiring. Can you explain, maybe for listeners who aren't familiar, exactly what mutual aid means in this context? Sure. Mutual aid is a voluntary, reciprocal, participatory exchange among equals. It's about sharing resources, but it's also about sharing power. Uh, I, I've spent a lot of my life in poverty, and I know that many people in the same uh, experiences would rather not receive something than receive something with a downward gaze. If, if something costs us our dignity, it's not worth it. Um, and so mutual aid is a way to share with each other uh, where we're um, sharing as equals um, instead of a powerful giver of aid and a powerless receiver of aid. And it also has a dynamic of addressing the root causes of, of uh, the need in the, in the first place. Okay. That's, yeah, that's really, that's a good description. Thank you very much. What, what you've done recently, right, is responded to Hurricane Ian, which most people I think will know hit Florida and I think uh, the Carolinas after that. So can you take us through some of the work that you've been doing down there? Sure. A lot of what I've been involved in is supplies distribution. Uh, so we're um, every day uh, loading up vehicles and going doing mobile distribution to trailer parks, to public housing uh, apartments uh, and other communities that are hit and historically you know, left out of uh, top down uh, relief models um, and providing uh, tarps, uh, water, food, other essentials that people need. Yeah, sure. That's very important. What's the situation like? We're now, what, like a, a, we're 10 days out, something like that, from when the hurricane first made landfall? Is that right? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Rain, do you know? <laughs> yeah, no, time. Time is not a thing when this is happening. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like all the days go together or nights or both. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's totally fine. So what's but, it? Um, you know, yeah. um, in some places, power is starting to get turned back on. Gas is easier to find uh, than it was, you know, several days ago. <laughs> um, but there's still, um, you know, like a lot of need for solidarity-based uh, relief. There's uh, just like every disaster, there's uh, many communities that are left behind, um, and it's the same communities that are left behind by the disaster of capitalism and colonialism and white supremacy. And so, you know, even though power is starting to get turned back on in some places, it's going to be months or years, you know, before people uh, recover from this. Yeah. There's a lot of folks that are not um, like Jimmy's talking about. There's folks that are renters who, you know, don't, don't know what they're supposed to do with their, with the apartment that they're in. The roof is caving in. And if the landlord's not responding, then what are they supposed to do? So if there's folks on the ground, they go in and they'll try to like help get the tarp up, you know, on the roof and things like that. So that's usually the kind of stuff I'm involved with when I'm, when it's happening more in my area. But uh, there's a lot of us that are working like remote as well to help support on the ground, like doing comms and organizing supply lines through the autonomous supply line chain that we have. And just kind of trying to mobilize more affinity groups in the local areas like Food Not Bombs. Um, Savannah Food Not Bombs came down and helped out and did a food share. And so just trying to get everybody who's close by to be able to address the immediate needs and start planning for the long term. Because Jimmy's right, it's going to take years. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I think you're right that often like 
Um, I think we should contrast actually that like that they sort of not the large global nonprofit model or the the service provider model that that contrasts with this right, which often kind of floods an area with resources whether or not it needs them, and then withdraws kind of once attention has gone away and people are left to rebuild their lives kind of on their own, right? Yeah. Yes, uh, time and time again, um, from Hurricane Katrina to Hurricane Maria. You know, uh, rain. You know, uh, in in Louisiana has experienced a number of hurricanes. You know, in recent years, um, you know, time and time again, we 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 had we learn over and over again that the state is not coming to save us, the market is not going to save us, the nonprofit industrial complex is not going to save us. We have to save each other. We have to take care of each other from below. Yeah, I think that's very true. I remember like in, I suppose, 2018, when the last set of midterms came, there was a large migrant caravan that came to Tijuana, which is just south of where I live. And there were a number of like these big international nonprofits, but they weren't actually allowed to enter the area where these people were. So you had these people in a, a football stadium and you had large nonprofits outside and they'd cut off the water to the place where these people were because they wanted them to go somewhere else. And it was this bizarre scene where you had tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars of resources sitting outside. And then you had little children who hadn't had a drink of water that day sitting inside. And it was really illustrative to me of, of how these massive nonprofits can raise a shit ton of money and still completely fail people when they need help the most. So it's great that you guys are out there doing that. Can you take us through... Some of the you mentioned Hurricane Katrina. You mentioned uh, being in New Orleans. Like, uh, can you take us through some of the other natural disasters and how you've helped? Um. Well, uh, in 2016, <laughs> yeah. when we first kind of got our paperwork um, official or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, we had the flood in Baton Rouge, in Louisiana, and it was one of the most historic floods since like the early 1900s and it barely made the news. And there were several other major floods that happened, climate caused floods in the Midwest that um, summer that barely made the news. And now people are starting to talk about it, right? Starting to talk about climate change because it's inevitable. Every single disaster is, you know, multi, just more and more frequency or higher intensity storm, more rainfall in a shorter amount of time. And so we had that flood and we hit the ground pretty much running, just doing lots of mucking and gutting, organizing a lot of folks coming up from uh, Texas and south in like New Orleans area and, you know, east from Florida all the way over Mississippi. Um, and then, like Jimmy said, we just kept getting hit and hit. I can't remember everything after that. I know there was Irma and we responded to Irma. We had national comms running. Um, which was really cool. People were signing up for work shifts and helping out on the ground while people were running around and um, getting transportation and getting people out of places, delivering supplies, helping, you know, again, with tarping or like things that might've happened to homes. Um, and then we've had Maria. I went down to Puerto Rico for that um, and helped out with some of the solar and water issues there. And then we had Laura and Harvey and I cannot even remember all of them at this point. Fiona, like, they just all, they're all going to keep coming either into the Gulf or they're going to head along the East Coast because of the way that the climate has affected the currents and the surface water temperatures in the Gulf and the Atlantic. Yeah. And like you say, they're going to have a disproportionate impact on people who are already marginalized. What is it 
You were talking about people signing up for work. That's interesting. So do you, I'm, seems like you're mostly a volunteer organization. Do people who have special skills just go up to a website and say, hey, I'd like to help? Or how does that work? Uh, it happens in a lot of ways. Sometimes folks will reach out via the email on the website um, or they'll reach out on one of the social media or they'll know somebody and be like, hey, I want to get involved. Um, it's really grassroots. Some people are on the ground. There's a lot of folks that have gotten involved more long term because um, you know, there was a response on the ground in their area. They kind of got into it just because that's, you know, what ends up happening when there's no one else around you rely on each other and you build that community. It's kind of, it's kind of just what happens. Yeah, that makes sense. So what's your sort of national, do you have a sense of how many people, how many volunteers you have on a national, I'm guessing your national or international scale now? It varies, you know, like in, in times of, you know, when, you know, between disasters, uh, yeah. you know, there's, you know, dozens of people involved or, you know, like a hundred or 200. Um, but then we're very, you know, participatory. And, um, so when a disaster happens, you know, there's a lot more people involved, hundreds and thousands of people that participate in one way or another. Yeah. Like in Louisiana, we've had, um, a lot of different like DSA groups or SRA groups come out and help out like mobilize on the ground and kind of come out as affinity groups and do um, different jobs or help out with different homes. And so really it's just like, it's a network of facilitating anyone who's interested in ensuring that all of us have what we need when we know the response is gonna be slow from those that are supposed to be handling that quote unquote. Right. And then you guys can connect people with skills or people with time to people who need help. Yeah. So really anybody who has an awesome skill of any kind or not is welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. Where can they find that? Do people do want to sign up? Uh, I guess the easiest way would be via, I don't know, Jimmy, you want to answer that? <laughs> I'm on the ground a lot. Check out our website, mutualaidisasterrelief.org. Uh, and our email is mutualaiddisasterrelief at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias as well. Uh, and yeah, we, we love it when folks uh, reach out to us and tell us how they want to be involved. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. 
I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I wanted to ask you, there are obviously some other organizations who like maybe I would name and you can if you want to, who have received a lot of national press for doing, helping people in times of disaster. And maybe you can explain why like some folks wouldn't necessarily be comfortable uh, asking them for help or, or going to them if they needed help. Yeah. Um. So oftentimes, uh, you know, you know, like, organizations, you know, um, you know, top down organizations, you know, they partner with, you know, uh, police or Homeland Security or carceral institutions like that. There's um, a shelter after um, uh, when Hurricane Michael hit the panhandle, um, you know, people uh, who had warrants, you know, were were signed into the shelter and then police came and scooped them up and and brought them Jesus. to um you know to jails and to prisons and you know so you know um and also you know even with with you know with those you know extreme situations aside um you know the uh, the top down approach is patronizing it's stigmatizing it um can um at sometimes provide the water or the food that, that people need, but oftentimes comes at a too high of a cost. Uh, and people long for a communal recovery. That's how we heal from disasters yeah. like this, from crises events is being part of, you know, a communal recovery where we're all able to pitch in and receive what we need and, and give what we can. Yeah. Can you tell us, can you give us an example of a communal recovery like that? Something that's happened somewhere where you guys have been able to assist a community or a community to be able to assist a family or an individual in recovering yeah um one one example uh that i i think is really representative of of our approach is um there there there's a family who who was evicted you know the um illegally you know after after a disaster and uh that you know single mom was looking after the other single moms making sure they had you know, uh, fuel for, you know, uh, their generators to, um, you know, to power their, their phone and different, different devices and that they had diapers and that they had, you know, what, what they needed to get by, even though, you know, they, they no longer had a roof over their head. And so when mutual aid disaster relief comes across people like this, 
our resources are their resources, you know? So, so when we both local mutual aid groups, just the matriarch on the block, who's taking care of, of, of the other folks on the block, mutual aid disaster relief exists to, uh, to share, you know, um, this, this network of supplies and labor and, you know, a uh, backup and support uh, with, with efforts like that, that are spontaneous, uh, that arise after every crisis. Okay, that makes sense. The last thing I really wanted to get to here was, like, as you mentioned, right, climate change is causing these natural disasters, and, and the worse that things get, then the worse that things get. <laughs> and, like, you guys have started this organization that helps people to help people. Uh, I'm wondering, like, what, A, like, how can people organize to help and b how can people in communities organize to be more resilient in a, in the time when natural disasters are becoming more and more commonplace so one of the things that i think what jimmy spoke to regarding like a matriarch on the block building that community in advance and after if it happens to just be after which is kind of what happens a lot of times is when it's that forced um i don't want to say forced but out of necessity right like Necessity is the mother of invention, right? And so there's these iterations of what community can become. Every time there's a disaster, there's like a clean slate and there's a vacuum in which something can be created because there may be nothing. And so if you can see an opportunity and if you, if you have any kind of network on the ground to eat or you in, it spontaneously erupts, then that can be the new growth or the light or however you want to phrase it. But I think for the resiliency to happen, that solidarity in the long term is built from those networks on the ground, those people recognizing each other and seeing each other. And I think COVID is so interesting because people had become so nu nuclear and like isolated with technology and then forced into these pods of technology. And that was the only way people existed. And then all of a sudden there was this need to be around people like people were like, no, 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 I really want like human contact. And so I think that kind of speaks to the reality of what we need to survive. And that's going to be through disasters, through pandemics. So building that, building a community garden, like saying hey to your neighbor, finding out who on your street is like an elder and maybe doesn't have anybody checking up on them, like knowing what is in your, what are the resources, whether it's people, whether it's a food bank whether it's like a, a water fountain, like what are the resources in your area and where can you spontaneously take over areas when something happens? There's so many empty lots, different places that are, you know, really on the verge of being gentrified. And when something happens, if you can help in the areas where you can maybe take over a building that would help maintain that building for the persons who would otherwise be getting pushed out soon, right? Like we've worked with people that allow us to set up school libraries, for example, in their areas while we're, while we're doing disaster response. And we help build that like house or that community center or that school up while we're there and creating a community space for people to then run with that concept of what they wanted to build, like what they wanted to put there. The best way, you know, to prepare for disasters is ongoing mutual aid projects and groups and efforts. 
you know, the more that we can connect with each other, the, those relationships and those connections, they're the groundwork for uh, a, a vibrant people powered disaster response. Mm-hmm. You got to know who's who. You got to know what people are are able to do, wanting to do. You know, what are people's strengths? It really is about that resiliency, knowing who you can count on for something. Like who knows about, you know, wiring? Who knows about plumbing? Who knows about, you know, the the streets? Who, who knows the area the best? Who knows certain members in the community that are, founders in the community that others will respond to or navigate or gravitate to. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense that like, I think it's really interesting to contrast this with the model of like surviving natural disasters that we've seen portrayed so often, especially on like TV shows like preppers, right. Which is like, I will sit on my own with a shit ton of ammunition and shoot anyone who comes after my ramen noodle castle. But what are you going to do with that when your supplies run out? Then what do you, who are you going to rely yeah. on? All we have is each other. We're not, we're not, I mean, more power to the, you know, outlier individual out there that can literally do everything to themselves. But I just don't think that's humanity's function. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have much more um, when we share with each other um, than we have individually. When we pull our resources together, we have enough for everybody. Uh, we, you know, we take what is in our cabinets, you know, as far as food or supplies, we take what's in our medicine cabinets, we make it a uh, liberated communal uh, space and supplies and, and very quickly things snowball and a small first aid station becomes mm-hmm. a wellness center or a clinic. And, and, and that's, you know, the power of, of sharing with each other and building, building alternative infrastructure, infrastructure together. Yeah. And the alternative infrastructure for me is really important too. Um, I think for us to be resilient, we, we have to teach each other the skills. We have to start learning the ways in which we will be able to actually build back the way we want, the way we foresee our communities to be, whatever that looks like. But we need those skills if we are going to divest, if we are going to have autonomy. Yeah, I really like that model of thinking of your natural disaster as like an opportunity to rebuild in a more a more equal way, rather than mm-hmm. thinking of it as the thing which just has knocked down the you know the amount of stuff you've accumulated or whatever. Instead, seeing it as an opportunity is really positive. It is an opportunity to reevaluate. It's an opportunity to see each other, to see your neighbor. It's an opportunity to be more sustainable in the rebuild, which is a thing that I really struggle with in a lot of responses. Um, is just the dependency on the existing supply chains and the existing methods of transportation like that, that also needs to be addressed for resiliency in the future. There's got to be an entire real build of how we respond in some ways in general, if yeah. we're going to divest the way we want. No, I think that's the sustainability thing. It's just reminded me of something which like, for whatever reason, I bought one back last time I was somewhere, but uh, people can't see this being an audio podcast, but uh, one of the things you'll often see in natural disasters is these things that are called humanitarian daily rations, and it's like a it's like mm-hmm. an MRE, and it comes in a pink packet, and everything else comes in a packet, and like it's within like two days, and obviously this is a time when like it's sort of systems for disposing of rubbish have been overwhelmed. Within two days, these things and the foil packets and little brown spoons are fucking everywhere. 
And it's just, it, it always strikes me as so sad that like we've taken this time when people are in crisis and we've made it a time when also their, their environment is in crisis now as well. Yeah, it's a lot. And that's one of the things I struggle with, um, with water as well. Water is kind of like my thing. I know the irony. But um, when whenever there's a response, there's a heavy dependency on bottled water. And there's other alternatives, but it would require, you know, a little bit of advanced skill training, a little bit of advanced infrastructure development, but that response could be prepared in advance. And I think in, in some cases, there's communities, especially in the local South, where that advanced thinking about it's going to happen, right? It's going to happen here, right? It's going <laughs> to, it's going to have, it's going to happen everywhere in the Gulf Coast and it's going to keep going up and up and whether it's a fire, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a massive tornado, whether it's a drought and a food shortage or a pandemic, if we're not thinking in advance and be just, and I don't want to sound like, you know, necessarily proper individualistic, but as a community thinking in advance, like for example, small plug, but cooperation Jackson is thinking about building um, their own water infrastructure so that they are not going to be dependent on just municipal water, which is, yeah. I mean, why not, even if it's small scale, why not start developing community owned microgrids, water treatment facilities? Why is it just capital, large capital? Like Jimmy said, we're stronger together. So if we pull together in these communities, just like old school CSAs, we can do that then we can essentially it's an it's another opportunity to invest to build it ourselves we can do it before we could do it after but i think for resiliency for me finding ways around those existing models and supply lines is critical to avoid the gap in the disaster and the response yeah talk us through a community owned water a sustainable water project like that like what does that look like what are the what are the components of it it would so that's <laughs> fabulous question um but it's also one that i personally can't answer i can because i'm not the entire community so there's mm-hmm. so many questions that are involved with that like who's going to who's committing to maintain it financially operationally maintenance wise you know how many people is it going to be be used by how frequently is it intended for all the time used for just as a response and a backup. So there's a lot of things that are involved there and also financial structures. There's so many different ways that that can get set up. Um, And like Jimmy knows, I do not like to involve myself with money aspects. I'm just straight (laughs) hammers and like, you know, solar. Um, But there's a lot of good examples of community owned microgrids for solar. And that's really the, I, I don't, know that there's that many, especially in the U.S., community-owned water systems. But if you look internationally, that is likely different. Um, Yeah. But as far as solar, that's a pretty common thing. Yeah, talk us through that. Uh, Well, there's a lot of different ways microgrids can get set up and who could own it. So again, it depends on the scale, right? Like who's going to fund the operation at the beginning if you have a few angel donors that want to do it or if you have a community that's willing to pitch in an equal amount per person, you know, and how much they want to use for it. So you'd calculate how much you need for each person's use, you know, what's the distribution area, how many panels do you need? 
And how are you going to get it to everybody? Are they going to have battery banks for autonomous use? Or are they going to be like tied in? So there's, it's a lot of models that you could do as far as the money goes. Just before hurricane, just before hurricane Ian, hurricane Fiona hit Puerto Rico. um, And it wiped out, you know, for, for a time, the whole island's uh, power grid, but the autonomous off-grid solar infrastructure uh, that was built up at the Central de Apoyo Mutual, the mutual aid centers across the island, uh, stayed, the lights stayed on, and this they were able true. to continue powering uh, their communities uh, through autonomous infra- infrastructure. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. I know some indigenous nations in uh, on the West Coast certainly have their own microgrids as well nice yeah it's It's smaller scale like how many like people are in the communities right yeah the smallish scale i think like maybe a few hundred maybe a a couple Mm -hmm. thousand something like that that's Um, good yeah it's an area of interest i know for other indigenous people for very obvious reasons right um but yeah that's really cool if someone was interested in that like let's say i'm at home with my community and i hear this and i'm like hell yeah that's what i want to do can they reach (laughs) out can can they reach out to you and be like hey help me help me join together these 15 uh, prius car batteries or would you be able to help them with the like planning stages of that or is that beyond the scope of your work um so my my main area of knowledge is around water um and i dabble with solar a lot Mm -hmm. but um there are a lot of folks in the network who have insane skills like we have people working on all kinds of projects so so many cool things. So I would say, yeah, reach out um, because that's kind of what the network is. It is a lot of really cool people trying to just make positive change with super awesome skills. A lot of folks have pretty cool skills. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. 
Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Yeah, in the beginning of this interview, you mentioned how you felt like times just kind of slowed down or like it's all kind of blurred into one. Um, Is that like a common feeling whenever these things happen and people are on the ground, the type of otherworldliness or how everything feels so stretched out? How does that kind of like what's your experiences with with that feeling? Um, yeah, I think that feeling is partly trauma, right? There's a lot of trauma associated with the work and, you know, those conversations happen a lot and it's, um, really, I mean, personally, uh, I won't speak for everybody, obviously, but personally, I find a lot of, um, support just in our collective network. Everybody's, um, I feel really focused on the same thing. So I personally gain strength from that, but I think there is a lot of, um, I feel like you can get a lot of hopelessness sometimes, right? Like when you start to see the, the long-term need and the fading of the spotlight because the next disaster happens. And I mean, there's literally still people in Baton Rouge who still have houses that haven't been fully rebuilt. And that was from the 2016 flood. And there's still places that don't have electricity in Puerto Rico right now. And it's been like, you know, I don't know what, over a month. So, you know, Flint, Michigan, just like name a thing, right? So I think my, my, I don't think I could do this work without the support of other people who do this work, who have that same um, feeling, who, who experience that. And the time, the time work, I think is partly for me, again, partly exhaustion, partly trauma, um, partly um, like excitement. There is so much excitement, right? Seeing, seeing, and seeing the love, like, I don't want to make it sound all bad. Like there's like beautiful moments every day with the love that you have on the ground with everybody. Um, And so, yeah, go for it. Often, um, you know, Dorothy Day after the San Francisco earthquake over a century ago said, while the crisis lasted, people loved one another. And what oftentimes we experience after a major crisis or disaster is, is that our lives before were disastrous, you know, Mm -hmm. that capitalism and colonialism and the isolation and alienation and the meaninglessness drudgery of the work and selling ourselves to the highest bidder so that we can survive, you know, um, all that is an ongoing invisible disaster and in in the moment where the uh the ruins are around us and we see them you know we we come together in a way that that draws on 
uh, on on that feeling of solidarity and love and and those those ideas of a better world that we that we protest for that we march on the streets for that we you know envision coming you know sometime in the future in a microcosm they exist here and now in in these local pockets of people taking care of each other against all odds that's real yeah i think that's really that's really well put like it's sort of it made me reflect on like i've reported from and worked in uh lots of natural disasters and like that time when the like alienation boredom and despair that you associate with sort of everyday drudgery under capitalism goes away and you have a purpose and everyone's working together and you're not also on like twitter.com all the time like, it, <laughs> it's very uh, and then time stretches and at the same time compresses it, yeah. it's it's very addictive in a sense like it feels wonderful and hopeful and then it's the feeling terrible. that an uprising tries to replicate mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's the, it's this moment of peak experience that makes you it forces you to fall out of the kind of the drudgery of collapsing capitalist infrastructure mm-hmm. and you're forced to actually live around people and mm-hmm. it's the weirdest feeling and it happens when horrible things happen, like disasters, like wildfires, hurricanes, or people it happens, shot. people getting shot. Yeah, it yeah, happens yeah. in the moment of like national uprising as well. Like it's the same, it's the same function. And for a brief moment, you're able to actually live the things that you like preach, um, and yeah. you're able to see them get applied in the world. And I think a lot of us getting away from that just being a peak. Right. And having to come back down because I really hate yeah. that is to build that resiliency, right? To to create it so that the lights don't go out and we just keep rolling. And if they do go out, you know, we've got a backup plan. Like, you know, there's a wood burning stove and we make some pizza. I don't know. <laughs> but like, you know, I think, yeah, the the peak shouldn't be a peak. There should be a just a shift. Right. So, so how do yeah? So how do we how do we keep that right? How do we rebuild and keep that momentum, that 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 net for each other? Yeah, it's. I think you got to. That's really, the question. That's yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's someone the thing call people, in. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Lenin had an answer to that, and it uh, yeah. did not work out the best. Yeah. Um, well, it's so did Kropotkin. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and we're still uh, here. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, here we are listening to podcast. But uh, yeah, I think that was wonderful. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I think your point, just to close out that discussion about uh, like how you guys have a network that supports people. Some of the most profound depression I've experienced has been not like directly around disasters or conflict, but coming home and feeling useless. So I think that <laughs> like checking in on people and and continuing to feel like you're pushing in a positive direction like more people will experience a natural disaster after listening to this and have done before listening to this and <laughs> next year will be bigger than this year and it will get worse until fuck knows uh but yeah. like you will feel elated and that's okay and you will feel devastated and that's okay and checking in on people is super duper important mm-hmm. and uh speaking of that network and making connections uh where can people find and support the work that uh, y'all do. All right, Jimmy, that's you. <laughs> People can go to mutualaiddisasterrelief.org or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Mutual Aid Disaster Relief. On Twitter, it's Mutual Aid Relief. 
and our email is mutualaidsdisasterrelief at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love uh, for more people to join uh, this movement, you know, both mutual aid disaster relief, their local mutual aid project, um, and, and, and other, other similar efforts. Or start one. Yeah, that's the, a question we get a lot is like, oh, you, you guys talk about mutual aid and stuff, but there's really nothing in my area. There's, I, I, don't, I don't know what, what there's to do. Like, okay, well, uh, it's on you, <laughs> maybe friend. there's someone that could fix that problem. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, you, Garrison. I mean, like, do you yeah. have any like resources to help people kind of figure out how they would? Absolutely. Uh, on our website, mutualaidisasterrelief.org, there's a resources tab. And one of the sections is mutual aid about, you know, diving into the subject of what is mutual aid and how to form uh, a, a group or a project um, and, and other resources uh, along, along those lines. We also have a newly formed um, mutual aid toolkit, relief toolkit that's on our website. So if there are local mutual aid groups, um, this is a public forum. So there's a big bold like warning about it not being it's, it's public for intention we have our own obviously like internal threads but this is more like for folks who maybe haven't ever plugged into mutual aid before like being able to see where's all the different mutual aid projects and what they're doing so um again we we talk about the resiliency so this is kind of our attempt to be able to map for each other um a, a way where we can see what every, where, where everyone is that's interested in responding and doing what they're doing. So if it's a food not bombs group or like whatever your mutual aid thing is that you're doing, if you want to join on to that, um, that's a fun way to see who might be in your area if everybody starts filling it out. Fantastic. Cool. Well, thank, yeah. thank you so much for taking time out of the stretched out <laughs> amorphous <laughs> concept of uh, linear progression of time to, to talk with us about uh, the fantastic work that you are all a part of thanks for having us appreciate it it could happen here is a production of cool zone media for more podcasts from cool zone media visit our website coolzonemedia.com or check us out on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts you can find sources for it could happen here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com sources thanks for listening Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s, dance away with hip-hop beats, and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.